How do you write your own story? Is somebody else grabbing that pen, putting ink to paper and writing your story? Or do you want to write your own story? Pick up that sword and slay that dragon and don't wait until somebody else slays it for you. What am I talking about? Well, today I have the Iron Giantess, Laura Mikitish, 320 pounds to an athlete. Laura is a friend of mine and truly inspirational. During this episode, we talk about her struggles as a child from being an athlete to self-reflection years later. How can that help you? How can that help someone you love? This conversation with Laura goes deep and I truly appreciate her honesty. Make sure you check her out on all social media platforms at the Iron Giantess. Please follow the Fatter Future podcast everywhere podcasts are available. Review it on iTunes, share with your friends, and of course, troll me online nicely at Joey Thurman Fit. Now here's my conversation with the Iron Giantess, my friend, Laura. Oh, look in front of me. We've got ethnically ambiguous, as we talked ahead of time, the Iron Giantess, Laura Mikitish. You know, and I, I nailed the intro, I think so, right? Yeah, you crushed that. Best, best name yet. <laughs> well, I just want to say thanks for coming on. Uh, we're we're with, the, with the same agency, Naturally Fit, so we've, we've known each other from afar for quite some time. And I mean, you're a trainer, nutritionist, you're a tagger, an ultimate tag on Fox, which, by the way, is highly entertaining. I had no I idea how show. entertaining. It's, it's, it's American so good. Gladiators meets uh, Titan Games is kind of, kind of the way I describe it. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. When I first saw it, it just happened. Yeah. I mean, like when I, when I saw you on, I'm like, I got I to watch this, right? Because you were on it. But I'm like, this, this is going to, it's tagging. This can't be. But it's yeah. literally so much fun to watch. And then you guys are just going all out. And then the, the big mix of different athletes of the taggers and then the people, you know, that are, that are running as well. It's, it's highly, right. highly entertaining. Well, are I'm a bodybuilder, season? but everybody else is a, well, we had, we made a whole TV show about touching other people and then it aired during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the opposite of what probably should have been airing. I don't think we're going to get a second season unless we're masked. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I bet you could do like some sort of Bane type thing and yeah. you could really, especially, yeah. you know, your persona, I think that could go well. I think it would add to mine for sure. I, I think you could kill it. It should maybe just be you as the tagger Thanks, every, and you just try to get them on. Of course, you know, flattery yeah. <laughs> will get you everywhere. Flattery and charm. That's how I got through school. Um, it it yeah. worked somehow. And then I realized after school that I needed to learn things. Strange. Mm. I haven't gotten to that part yet. I'm just relying yep. on my time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have um, you have a really good story, and I I I love you because you're so just honest about things and just unapologetically you. So I mean, you, you went from 320 pounds to what do you weigh right now? I'm actually at the lowest I've ever been. So I'm like 178, 177. Wow. So can you tell me about your, your journey? Because, um, I mean, if uh, people check you out, the Iron Giantess on, on Instagram is social. You really just, you take people through this journey and it's nice that, you know, you kind of 
um, go back through it every now and then because it's almost if you're just to look at you like, wow, she's just this, you know, amazing figure uh, of a person and this persona, you know, and it, you have this realness about you, which is wonderful. And I love seeing because I hate social media with a passion. Um, you've probably seen, but I do think that it can connect people and you have an amazing way of, uh, connecting people with people. So, um, just through, through like a 30 second reel, you're like, wow, this, this is great. I just saw her whole journey, but let, let's take it back. Let's rewind the tape. And you said you started as in one of your posts, like this is not my words. You started as kind of like chubby and then went to like overweight and then like, you know, grossly overweight. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I started as a kid, I was kind of chubby and I love, love, loved food, which looking back, everybody was confused as to how that happened. But I grew up in a foodie family where food was the way that we socialized, communicated, showed love. It was my dad is like the type of guy where when you travel, he doesn't plan activities, he plans reservations. <laughs> um, and so I grew up in a house where food mattered a lot. And I also grew up in a house with very health minded parents. So my dad is a doctor. My mom is super healthy, health-minded. She's a farm. She runs a farm. She's busy. She's a lawyer too. I won't bury her lead, but she's a farmer. And wow. um, I just was always like the chubby kid and I loved sports and I was, I just so badly wanted to play all of the sports, be one of the guys. Um, I wanted to play football. I wanted to play. And I just kept getting sidelined. It was like, not only was I a little chubby, but I was also a girl, and I was always getting put on the sidelines of sports and things like that. I was, you know, playing soccer. I was an equestrian. I rode competitively my entire childhood, um, but I just kept putting on weight, and my weight kind of climbed over the years. I did everything. I did, like, fat camp. I had personal trainers. I uh, did Jenny Craig. I did Weight Watchers. I did everything possible but nothing really stuck and my weight just continued to climb and I went to college and what I didn't know when I was younger and looking back like obviously I know it now because I've had conversations with my parents but I was very much a closeted eater so my mom would mm -hmm. find snack wrappers in the couch cushions and my side table was full of wrappers that I had eaten and I just wouldn't tell anybody and I'd sneak into the fridge I'd eat all the leftovers I loved food um and I was also six feet tall by the time I was 13. So my appetite was insane. And there was a lot of shame around why is a child eating this much food? But it's also like, why is a six foot human eating? There wasn't a conversation around that. Um, and so as I went to college, food became kind of a shameful space for me and I was alone. So nobody saw what I was eating. So I developed an issue with binge eating throughout college mm. and my weight just continued to climb and climb and climb until I was around 320 over 320 pounds 320 pounds was make or break step on the scale time to make a change but there was definitely more than that going on um right. but yeah it was just a an you know a big pile on of years of not really understanding how to cope emotionally with some of the things that I was feeling and going through in isolation. I was a Canadian kid growing up in the South. I was a brown kid growing up in blonde, blue-eyed Tennessee. I had a lot of things that made me feel isolated and separated. And then food was my comfort, but it was also a secret shame. And what I've learned over the years is that that shining that light on that shame has allowed me not only to work through it, but to connect with so many people who truly don't realize how many other people have the exact same feelings as them. And as a coach that has been 
a game changer for me because my vulnerability, my willingness to be open has allowed every single person that I've worked with to be able to say, oh, you have the exact same experience I thought I was alone in and we can have these conversations out loud. Yeah. And, and, and that, uh, you know, speaks volumes that, uh, you are talking about your, your shame with food and, and being a closeted eater, but you were also extremely athletic growing up. And then uh, you just said that you, you had, you came from a health conscious family. And I think there's a, a general stereotype with, with people and especially, you know, overweight females like, Oh, she must not be working out or active and, you know, like doing this, to themselves. So you were, you were active and you were, you know, eating kind of like binge eating at night or, you know, so what really was this is an important, this is an important conversation too, because I don't like to, I think a lot of times we tr- kind of try to take a get out of jail free card where it's like, mm. Oh, well I was active and I was, sorry, I lost my AirPods in the middle of this. I was active and I was healthy and blah, blah, blah. But that really covers a huge part of the conversation, which is that even though I was active and even though I played sports, I was the kid who went to practice and then hid in the shed literally to get out of cardio, to not have to run laps. Or I was the kid who knew how to eat healthy, but chose not to a lot of the time. Secretly, my food choices in public and my food choices in private were two very different things. So when in public you were choosing what is deemed as you know, and I kind of want to get into that as healthy, right? But then in in private, what what was your go-to as a kid? Do you remember like what was that? I remember that finally doing a breakthrough with a client that was a hundred something pounds overweight, celebrity chef Art Smith, and he was this gay kid growing up in the South, and he would get bullied all of the time, and he realized that yeah, like yeah, right. So he realized that if he started baking cookies for cookies his bullies, for his bullies they, would stop they would stop bullying him. So anytime so that he would have sweets, he would associate that with the comfort of not getting bullied, right? So he was able to really figure that out. And it's amazing that just once he had that breakthrough, he was able to, I feel like you kind of always go back to that, like smells or sounds or anything. That was his kind of go-to food. Is there anything that you felt comfort in? So there's a couple of things. My mom is a huge sweets fanatic, but she's really good about, like, she loves Twizzlers. And I grew up in a house where she hid the Twizzlers under her car seat, even though it was like an, it was an obvious secret. We all knew where the Twizzlers were, but she had this weird thing where she would hide Twizzlers around the house. And she's a skinny little blonde, like it never needed to be hidden, but she always hid the Twizzlers. And the kids don't, we did not like them. So I don't know why the hiding happened, but she would always hide Twizzlers. And then I loved, I loved sweets so much. I grew up in two different households. So I, my mom is Ukrainian and her mom was one of the first and leading diabetes nurses in the country. So she was always giving us like angel food cupcakes instead of real cupcakes and Ukrainian food, but the healthy way. And then my dad's side of the family is East Indian. And my Nana was a food tyrant. She wanted you to eat everything. She wanted you to try everything. She went, so I was going between these two households of totally different ethnicities, totally different foods. Um, and looking back, my go-tos are still like, if I were going to relapse and fall into a binge, my go-tos would be walking through the grocery store and being allowed to put whatever I want in my cart. And I think that was a big deal was feeling Mm -hmm. like I couldn't have 
a lot of foods, even though it wasn't said, and even though nobody was saying you can't have those, because of the household that I grew up in, and there was no shame or anything around food, it was just like, let's make healthy choices, became there's a lot of foods we're not bringing into the house. So when I would go yeah. to the grocery store with my grocery cart in college, it was like the, the sweet section, ten, like two pies, two cakes, I'm getting all the ice cream, I'm getting all of, you know those little donuts that are in that in the cupboards that are old and they're gross and nobody gets them anymore, but I'm getting like 19 of those. Um, sweets is the answer, sweets. Okay, yeah, I, I had yeah, a, a huge sweet tooth. I mean, I always call myself like this like inner, inner fat kid because I just wanted just, I, I, like donuts and everything fried. And I, know, I literally didn't have a, a vegetable until I was 25 years old. And the way my mom... I don't, well, I, I, would, I went to, um, you know, as a fashion model for a while, and I went to, I wanted to compete in a uh, fitness competition, right, what they call fitness model or whatever, but I'm 6'3", so most of those fitness models are muscle models, like, shorter, right? So me, and like, eh, maybe a shot, and my coach was former Mr. Australia 2001, he's like, mate, you want to compete, you got to eat some greens, and I'm like, I probably just murdered his accent, but I was like, Marcus, dude, I can't, and so then I would take a handful of spinach and an apple, spinach, apple, I just keep going, because I needed something sweet to cut through that and it wasn't until I started eating those greens that my body started feeling better and shaping up more and then that's when I really figured like wow nutrition has something to do with this because in college I played hockey and I left off the KFC um the family size popcorn chicken mashed potatoes and brownie yours break from Dairy Queen I would have that a couple times a day yeah oh well done I didn't know you played hockey yeah, that was a, yeah. If you if you see my butt, you would think you would figure that out. That's a big hockey butt. So that's that's my go-to sweets. So there you go. Uh, we have something in common. So when you uh, when you said um, get out of jail free card, why why did you mention that? Um, I don't know. Give me more context. I I was talking to you. Yeah, no, you, yeah, saw, you talked about some people get a get out of jail get out free, free card, card that you, they were active, but you would hide away from away cardio. cardio. Um, and, and that's, and that's you being a little tough, tough on your younger self, younger right? Self, right? Well, no. Okay, so this is the problem I see. I think a lot of times we have two versions of our story. We have like the victim version and we have the empowerment version. And I think a lot of times people lean into one or the other and they don't contextualize that you were both people at the same time i am both people at the same time now i have strengths i have weaknesses i have moments where listen i can go back and reflect on my story and paint it as this poor little kid that had everything going for her and she's active but something just slipped out of her grasp but i also after years of reflecting know that i spent four to five hours on the couch watching Seventh Heaven and One Tree Hill every night. And I know Ooh, that my mom one, had to one tree hill. I mean, it's great. it makes sense, but I know that I made my parents work their butts off to make me move. Like, I love sports. I love team sports, but I was not there because I love running. I was there because mm-hmm. something in me is empowered and excited when I have a team and when I can push myself physically and when I honestly can inspire a group of people. So a lot of times I was team captain or I was this and it was my job to motivate my group, but I wasn't 
the easiest kid to pull off the couch. I wasn't the easiest kid to get started. For me, and that's, this is my thing, I was always, always, always scared to not just be naturally good at things, to fail, to be bad. Part of why I had such trouble getting into shape when I was playing, I mean, this is a vivid memory for me. I was captain of my school soccer team, or not school soccer team, my travel soccer team, girls soccer team, the Lady Flyers. I was captain of that, one of them. And I played my season and we had a blast and we went to state finals and we were so good. And then I didn't do shit all off season and I went to the tryouts and they cut me. And it was wow. mortifying. They were like, we can't let you on the team. You're out of shape. You don't run. You can't do it. And it broke me because those were my girls. That was my team. I was building something and they cut me because my weight had gotten out of control. And I didn't just, that didn't just, that wasn't something that slipped out of my hands. I did that. I let that happen. I let go of something I cared about because I was not motivated to keep up with it. And that I own. I'm not hard on myself. I'm a, I was a middle school teacher. If you, you look at a kid, I can find a million things to love about that kid, but I'm also going to be the teacher who says, babe, if you want it, you got to work for it. What are you doing? And if somebody, if I had been there, if I was talking to that version of myself, I would have said, listen, Laura Jane, if you want to stay captain of this team, you have to give them something to inspire them and you have to show up for yourself. You can't just sit on the couch for five months and do nothing and expect to be handed something. I think that's where I missed it when I was younger. I expected to be handed things. Um, show up for yourself. yourself. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, w- so when, you when you look back and you, you, you tell me that tell story me that and people story, listen, people to, listen that, to that, how has that has helped that shape you now? now? And I do want to get into a little bit of your weight loss journey, but that's, that's great to have that reflection because a lot of people, as you said, like we've got these different mentalities of ourselves. I have multiple personalities. I don't think I just have two. You may have two. I have a lot. Oh, I'm a Gemini. But, you know, we, we go back and, and we look at our childhood and we we have this you know, the reflection and, and looking at it like, okay, this is how it was, but maybe to us that's how it was now. I'm 38 years old. I know I look magnificent. Uh, you know, but, like, my, what happened to me at 15 is maybe completely different when looking back at it versus when I was 15 years old or even when I was 20 years old going back a few years. So how has that, how, how has that shaped your, your attitude right now? Well, when I was younger and at my most insecure, everything felt like an attack or everything felt personal. When I was overweight, I was a totally different version of myself. I was guarded and cold and people in my life thought I was so wildly confident. I was like president of my school. I was, you know, captain of this, captain of that. I was standing in front of the entire school giving speeches every single week. And I was doing film and theater. I was traveling across the country to come work on film sets in my spare time. It looked like I was so happy. Um, And I wasn't, but I was happy about a lot of things. I loved my life. But there was this insecurity in me that felt like I had to fight for space and fight for the room and fight to be in a space and and earn friendship and earn people's love and it became people pleasing to an extreme because the first thing people saw about me was my weight. And so I had to prove them wrong all the time. That's what it felt like. Um, but something that I did later in life when I became more 
focused on my own growth, but also working with other people and understanding their stories and understanding how the way that we react to people is 100% about our perception. I went back with my mom and my dad and I asked them to go through my entire childhood with me and tell me who I was and what I was like and tell me stories. And that's why I know the things about the cushions and the, the candy wrappers, which is funny because that side table is still where I put trash until I go throw it away. So if I visit my parents and I have like a snack upstairs, it still goes in that side table. But my mom was the first person to tell me, oh yeah, that's because you've been doing that since you were six. That's your side table. That I used to clean it out without you realizing it all the time. I went back and I asked their versions of my stories. I went back and I asked my friends' versions of the story because understanding yourself as a, as the character in other people's stories is so important because you don't always see how you're coming off or what people think. And the other thing that I do routinely, which seems kind of weird, but I have my clients do it too, is I do what I call a deep dive. So I, like if I'm in the shower, <laughs> I do a lot of things in the shower out loud, but if I'm in the shower, I will go, I will go back through absolutely everything that I can remember about a certain period of time. So I'll be like, okay, sixth grade, sixth grade, you were playing soccer, sixth grade, you were on the team with this person and this person and this person. And then you had, oh, you had, your coach's name was this and your this was that and you guys did this. And there's so many events in my life that I did not remember until I started doing that, taking my time, going back through my life and retracing things that I forgot were part of my story. And those mm -hmm. things coming up, like recently I did that and I had never remembered the catalyst for me truly starting my weight loss journey. I had always kind of had this glossy version, like on podcasts, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I just turned on a YouTube video, but I don't remember <laughs> why I turned on that video. And then yeah, I did yeah. a deep dive and I was in the shower and I was like, what was going on? I was getting out of that. I was getting out of my college relationship, blah, blah, blah. And we were standing in that living room and he said, and you said, and he said, and you shut the door and you started crying and you pressed play. And it didn't come to me until I took the time to go back through my story with care and with objectivity and kind of step outside myself and that insecurity and the feelings that I was having at that time to understand where that behavior came from and what he might've been feeling and what I was feeling and what was really happening. Cause I think a lot of times we focus on what we're feeling and we miss out on what was really happening. Yeah, and that's that, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's great. That's is great. that something is that, that you, recommend you recommend people to do? People you said you had your clients do it, but is that something you just started doing? Like, I'm just going to go back and think about what happened in, in sixth grade, you know, choir, whatever it is. Like, maybe choir was me. Choir was me, too. I was a little, I was a little far, but is that something that you recommend for everybody or is it a case-by-case basis? I don't do it as a general gloss over like you just signed up with me and now we're going to do a deep dive. I do it when I feel like someone's story isn't lining up for me. So mm. I work with a lot of clients and if I smell victim, if I smell, you know, lack of motivation when it comes, when, if I feel like this client is saying I can't, I need to understand their story. What about your story? Because I, the women that I work with are incredible. This is what people don't realize about overweight, particularly overweight women. And this is something that I've learned working with hundreds of women. 
every one of those women is a fucking badass. I don't know if you swear on your podcast, but no, they're badasses. You know what? You know, fucking swear all, all you want. want. I don't. I don't give a shit. Whatever, whatever the hell you gotta, gotta do. Go ahead. That's why there's an explicit warning on there. Perfect. They are so. I'm gonna make a lot of generalizations right now, but I think a lot of them stand. Number one, women are forced into roles where we put everyone before ourselves every freaking day. Everybody, we manage our husbands, our boyfriends, our our jobs. We take on the roles in uh, group projects. And I'm not talking about all women. I'm talking particularly about the women that you guys are calling fat. Um, and that's because they tend to be people pleasers. They tend to be type A. They tend to be micromanagers. They tend to want everyone in their life to be so, so, so happy and they put themselves at the bottom of that list. Every freaking day they wake up and everybody else's happiness, their kids, their husband, their boyfriend, the guy they like across the street, their self-worth is the last thing that they think about. Their goals are the last thing that they think about. But it doesn't apply to their badasses in the boardroom, their badasses everywhere. They take their, they do all of these things. They have all of these skills. I know this from my personal story because if you looked at me, it looked like I had a lot going on. It looked like I just was running shit. But it was because I needed other people to love me so badly that my self-worth didn't come into play. It was only validation from others. I was standing in a hall or in a circle with other people holding up mirrors of me. And if their reflection said I looked good, I looked good. But if I pivoted and looked in that mirror and I didn't look good, I would pivot to make myself look good in that mirror. And I was constantly pivoting for other people's mirrors. And I was never figuring out for myself what I needed, who I was. And so much of that means at the end of the day, I was so fucking burnt out from making other people happy and micromanaging their feelings and their their feelings about themselves their feelings about life that when I would get home I didn't have any coping mechanisms in place to take care of myself to manage my own emotions to do any of that all that I had was food I didn't have two hours to myself to go to the gym I didn't have anything I had food and a TV remote and numbness I went all day pouring 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 into other people and I would come home and the only thing I could do, I didn't want to pour into myself. I didn't have anything to give myself. All I had was a TV remote and Taco Bell. And that applies to so many of the women that every, I have yet to meet a woman in my life who hasn't put everybody else that I coach or that I work with or that's struggling with her weight, hasn't put every single other person before herself. And it's usually because she doesn't love herself unless someone loves her when when you're talking about looking at um, yourself and other people's mirrors right the the reflection of, of what they see and, and look for looking for that self-worth why do we really search for that because we always say that other people's opinions don't matter but those are the ones that we always seek out the most and you're talking about how these women are badasses and I completely agree with you um, often, you know, they're, they're moms and businesswomen and, and they're putting everybody else first and taking care of them and then they don't have time for themselves. And just like you said, you get home and maybe the only thing you had time for is, you know, some TV show and food. You know, how can people really get past looking at what other people think of them? So the reason I know this is because I had to go to therapy for it. So I'm not saying I'm an expert in this, um, but True. I think that when you are a kid that starts because your self-worth becomes so shaped. A lot of us, some of us are just 
born badasses who just don't give a shit from an early age. But the people pleasers and the type A's and the ones who need to get an A on every assignment and the ones who need to be captain of the team. And the, those people don't stop doing that. They just stop calling it that. So as we age, getting that promotion or having the coolest car or the most Instagram followers or the most likes or all of those things, they're not separate from that sensation. They are, they are that sensation. They, you know, needing to be the, needing to be the woman or the man at work who everybody turns to and everyone thinks is a badass is in its own way a sense of validation. And I think a lot of times what I talk with my clients about is the need for, for validation, the need for other people to clap for you. Once you know it's there, once you feel it, once you can tell that the reason you're doing something comes from an inauthentic place, it comes from a place of needing other people to clap and not because you love something, you start to notice it all around you. So if you're at that job and you're at that job because somebody else is clapping for you and not because you love it, you start to notice. And if you're in that relationship and you're staying in that relationship because you need somebody to clap for you and not because you love it, you start to notice. And when you start to take catalog of the things in your life that you're doing for other people and to please other people, you start to notice whether you're living your authentic story. I think we all, when we open up to it, have this version of our authentic story where we're writing, we're really genuinely writing our life story every single day. And we only have so much time. We only have so many pages. And sometimes you're just so caught up in whether other people like the story that you're not writing it anymore. You're just coasting. And I mean, we all can get swept up into that, but if you learn it and you start practicing it and every day you think about what you really want, then it becomes a lot easier to align with that and to ignore the noise. Because here, this is kind of a gross metaphor, but I like to use it because I think it really gets itself across. If you, if I need validation from you and you need validation from someone else and they need validation from someone else and they, it's a fucking human centipede of dick sucking and glorification. You have your mouth on someone else's asshole who has their mouth on someone else's asshole. And the minute that you realize, what am I doing? This person that I need to clap for me doesn't even clap for themselves. It all goes out the window. The day that you realize that the people you want to love you hate themselves, it is this big eye-opening epiphany where you're like, what am I doing? Why am I standing here trying to circle jerk this entire room when I don't, these people don't like themselves. Everything that they're doing that they think is cool is because someone else told them it's cool. If you want to move to Bali and teach orphans, move to Bali and teach orphans. But if you want to open your own business and paper mache skeletons, who cares? Just do it. And if you want to okay. be 320 pounds and then just be a fucking athlete, do it. Who cares if people clap? Clap for yourself. Well, I'm clapping for you right now because, you know, I, I love the human centipede, dirty orgy analogy there. That was, that was wonderful. I, I know what one of the highlights of the episode are going to be. Please so, make that. Well done. Clip. Oh, it, it's, it's going to happen. And who, 
Christina, who makes my clips, I know she's going to be listening to this. She's going to pull that one. So nice work. I, I mean, I like that analogy because, you know, we, we all like, especially, and I say this, you know, often, you know, it's these people on social media or, you know, on TV, the ones that often have the brightest light shine on them are the ones that are often in the darkness the most. Yeah. And that's why I, I really feel like I connect with you because you're just so honest and open about things and you know like fuck it you want to you want to move away you want to you want to you want to do this just go go ahead and do it and it's great and obviously there's extenuating circumstances where people just sometimes can't do that but it's the mentality right yeah. of being able to do that you know and and that's great so figure it out and if you're kicking ass at life great you're kicking ass at life and um i think it's sometimes hard especially you know for you, you know, you've got um, hundreds of thousands of people that follow you on social media so when somebody's looking at you and they think like i, I, I want to be like her i want to do this um and then they're casting that shadow of doubt maybe from seeing something that you did thinking that they can't do it what's your advice for them well first of all i think our need to mimic other people's stories gets in the way of our own so when you're looking at somebody else and you're thinking i want to do what x y and z did sometimes you're missing that yours could be so much cooler than mine. Like your story, you could say fuck yeah, and you could change the entire world. Like you could, I, the people you put on this pedestal didn't do anything incredible. They just took, they just took a shot and they just took a risk and maybe they're still taking shots and still taking risks. And you don't know, a lot of people, a lot of people with the most self-doubt look the most confident. But if you just, decide to go after the things that set your soul on fire, you one, will not go wrong, but two, could be bigger and better than anything that you're putting on a pedestal. And the minute that you start limiting yourself to, I wanna be like her or look like her or train like her, you miss out on what's meant for you. And I learned that from my body because when I, Back in the day, when I was 320 pounds, all I saw were these little girls, and I thought, I wanna look like her. I wanna look like her. I wanna look, she's 5'2", she's cute, she's got these big boobs, I wanna look like her. I didn't ever say, I wanna see what the fuck my body can do. I just said, I wanna look like her. And halfway through it, I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? I am super strong, and I can do stuff she can't do. I wanna look like me. I want to figure out who I am. And, you know, that changed everything. The minute I stopped thinking I was competing or comparing and I was just figuring out what I could do, the game changed. I think yeah. in life, in, in fitness, in anything, the game changes when it's not about catching up to somebody else. It's about running as fast as you fucking can. I love that. So picking up the pen and writing your own story as opposed to letting someone else fill out those pages. And as you say, you don't have that many pages in your life. So might as well write your fucking story as we can talk about. Right. Right. I like it. Yeah. So when, when you when you when you finally kind of had that, and I don't think there was like one aha moment and correct me if I'm wrong, but like when you're like, OK, I, I did this self-reflection. I went back. You talked to your parents and your relationship and it's great. I think you. You know, it's not just how you feel, it's how the, how the boyfriend felt or how everybody else and your friends. And then you decided to go on this journey uh, of losing weight. You know, how, where, where did you start? You know, what was it, you know, did you take care of your eating, your, your exercise with just a compilation? I mean, did you reach out for help? Where did that start? 
So my story does have a bit of an aha moment because for 20 years, mm -hmm. I tried everything, right? Like fat camp was the coolest thing ever. I loved fat camp, but it just didn't stick. Um, I tried everything and then I got out of my college relationship and I had been with this person for four years and I had been, again, always caring about how that person felt and caring about how it looked and how we how things were going. And then I got out of that relationship and I, at the end of that relationship, I made a big decision to leave a job and a career that I loved. I was working in film. I had my dream job. I was in a different city. I chose to come back to try to repair my relationship. And when I got back, that relationship was obvious. It, anytime that you need to come back to fix something, it's probably broken. Um, so I came back and it still didn't fix anything. And he dumped me multiple times. <laughs> I kept coming back, but he dumped me. And I realized like, holy shit, I don't have a story. I've given up my dream job. I'm getting my teaching degree just to be near somebody that I'm trying to be in a relationship with and fix things. I don't have a story. Like I'm not writing one. And I was really disappointed in myself for a minute. And I talked to my parents and I said, hey, I don't want to be 320 pounds. I don't want to be 350 pounds. I see where this is going. And this, for the first time ever, I had never brought it up to them, I don't think. I, but I had thought about it my whole life. I had thought about it my whole life. I had never said it out loud. Just like I talked about pockets of shame. I said, can I talk to you guys about me getting weight loss surgery? Like, would you support me emotionally if I chose to do this? And they were like, yeah, we will. If you do the research. And my mom is a crazy lady. She made me do like three binders of research to get a dog. So when I said I want a weight loss surgery, out came the binders. What I learned was that to get weight loss surgery, number one, after the procedure, I was going to have a really shitty time because I have a bin I had a binge eating disorder and I was going to have to eat like food this big for the, for the next few years. And I was going to have to exercise. So I was like, damn it. Like, this is basically just working out and getting fit. Like, what's the point of this? I'm not, it's not, I'm going to have to be fit anyway. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try for 30 days to just be consistent. I'm going to try to show up. I'm going to not really think about the scale. I just have to prove that I can stick to something for 30 days. I started with a YouTube video in my living room and throwing out all of the shitty food in my fridge, which retroactively wasn't necessary. I didn't have to completely cut out everything, but it meant something to me. It meant we're just not going to yeah. binge for 30 days, which had not happened in probably six or seven years. Um, yeah, because you had your side table. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And mm -hmm. I had a couch and a TV and shit was going down. But I was going to try for 30 days. And if I could could do the 30 days, I was going to call a doctor and I was going to get a consultation. So I started the YouTube video two minutes in gassed, fuck Jillian Michaels. She was off. Um, gassed, absolutely trashed sitting on the floor, just like a million times before a million times before. Cause I had tried the exact same video so many times. Um, and then I just sat there and was miserable. And my dog came over and was making sure I still had a pulse. And then, um, like 20 minutes in, I realized I wasn't really tired anymore. I was just lazy. So I got back up and I pressed play for the first time ever. Um, I didn't close the computer or anything. I just pressed play and I kept going and I did that. It was like a 10 minute video. It probably took me like an hour and a half to get through. And then um, in my fridge, I filled it up with 
I had a fresh fish market down the road in Vancouver and I went there and I bought my favorite food, which was sashimi. Shit ton of sashimi in my fridge, fresh fish. And I just ate that for a couple of days. And I realized like, I really like this food. Like this is not bad food. This is really good. It's my favorite food. I can eat a lot of it. And I did that. I just did that for 30 days. And then what I realized was that I could stick to something consistently. Um, after I finished that YouTube video the whole way through for the first time, um, without taking any major breaks, I went and joined my school gym, my college gym. And the first day I walked into that gym, I was there for five hours because wow. I love bodybuilding and I loved being strong. And I walked in and I started lifting and I did not want to leave. And also I loved being surrounded by people who were kicking ass and I stayed. And I wanted to go back the next day and I wanted to go back the next day and the next day and the next day. And for 30 days, I just did that. And then at the end of 30 days, I realized if I call this doctor, I'm going to have to stop doing what I'm doing. And I love it. So I didn't call the doctor. I just went back the next day. And I did that for a year and I dropped over 120 pounds and I fell in love with bodybuilding and then I fell in love with powerlifting and then I fell in love with Olympic lifting and then I fell in love with CrossFit and I just kept falling in love. Um, yeah. And it just never stopped. Like I have goosebumps right now thinking like I can't wait to fall in love with something else. That's great that you, you can fall in love over and over and over again with something that's not a person. Yeah. Yeah. I can say I have fallen in love thousands of times in my life now and maybe one of them has been a person <laughs> comparatively falling in love with yourself is so much more fun no offense to anyone i've ever dated but falling in love with yourself is so much cooler yeah and and really you know how can you love someone else if you don't love yourself and you're just pouring everything into them and you don't you know if maybe for a little bit in that honeymoon phase maybe it works but Eventually, if you know when when the noise shuts down and you're by yourself, and then you really kind of go into that deep depression, and like it's it's hard. You know, I I struggle with that too, and I, I didn't realize for a long time that well, I need to take care of myself so I can take care of my wife and so I can take care of my son. You know, and, and it's it's okay, and it, and it's it's not shameful to talk about. And, you know, I think that, you know, why people gravitate towards you is because you are so honest about all of that. And it's it's great to see and that you're breaking these barriers and, you know, of the stereotypical, you know, princess, the Disney princess. Right. You know, I mean, you, you, you've made a post about that, something about like I, I was I was going through things. So um, stalking is OK nowadays yeah. because social media. Um, but what, what do you think about that when you see these, you know, stereotypical roles and, and now that females, it's coming out more like you, you can be a badass and you, you can be six foot something and squat more than a guy and do this and get sweaty and ugly and dirty. And I, I love seeing that. I mean, I obviously have a, have a son, but if I had a girl, I'm like, wow, what a great time to be in now that we're finally realizing that. And it's people such as yourself that's breaking those barriers. I think that that was what crushed me as a kid. And I actually did a TikTok recently. I didn't put it on Instagram because I didn't want to like start a riot, but I did a TikTok and I was like, when I was a teenager, everybody tried to make me feel like I was gay. 
I know that seems like a weird thing to say, but I was six feet tall. I was big. I took up a lot of space. I was not somebody who was necessarily traditionally attractive to men, but I had crushes on every guy that I talked to in the world. And I played sports. I loved sports. I was one of the guys. And for some reason, because I didn't fit this traditional version of femininity, there was this push to get me out of it, like to just push me out of it. And I thought, I'm just making a flippant video. And now that video has like 3 million views and thousands and thousands of women saying, yeah, me too. I was a big girl or I was tall or I was just this or I liked sports. And nobody just said, okay, cool. They all said, "Mm, you don't fit in our box, get out. And now that I have done a little bit of self work, there's something so fucking cool about these women that are walking around unapologetically, authentically themselves, who are big and strong and tall, and they don't need someone to slay the dragons. They just need the sword. They'll do it themselves. I think that's so cool. But I also think that there's this tendency to create a sense of isolation in that or almost push your independence to a place where no one can touch you. And I just want women, everyone to remember also that it is okay to connect. It doesn't take away from your strength, but there, it is really fucking cool to be strong in whatever way that means for you. It's so cool. Um, but don't let strong make you cold because those are not the same. That's great. I mean, I remember running a, a Spartan race in California and it was, it was raining and the elite guys took off before the, the elite girls. And there was one female that just passed me up and I'm going up this muddy hill. And of course it's raining in California. Like, of course it rains when I do the Spartan. One day. And she's running up. Yeah. The one day it rained one day and, and she's cheering me on as she's going past me. And I see kind of like these other guys looking by, I'm like, I'm like, That's you go like, this is awesome. Like, I want to be like you, not the dude over here, but this five foot nothing, I think it was like blonde female, just like you would see her walking on the street. And, and it was just amazing to see. And I don't know if I would have had that mentality, you know, when I was a kid, I had two older sisters. So I was always a little bit more in tune with my feelings. Cause like, you don't ever treat a girl this way, you know, like, so that was, uh, it was a little better. Even the dog was a female. Um, so, and then my dad was in and out, um, traveling a lot. So I was always around these females. So I think I, you know, I was a little bit more thankful to have that. So I was a little more in tune with myself and, and females, but God, it's just, it's just so great to see that. And, and I, and I love that. And, you know, even you talking about how you lost so much weight and then you're now going through the story of you're going to get the skin removal surgery. And why is that important for you to, I mean, cause that's very open and honest and you're just showing all these pictures of you and you're pulling on your skin and, and that sound looks like it could be nerve wracking to people. But you know, why do you feel like you should talk about, you know, your, your skin removal surgery? So this is not my first skin removal surgery. I had my abdominal skin removed in 2018 and I was in a place where everything about me was validated through other people. So how are they going to feel? What are they going to say? What are they going to think? Are my followers going to leave me? Are they going to judge me? Are they, I didn't mean to do social media. I was posting photos with my head chopped off to keep myself accountable. And one day it blew up and it got away from me and this became my job. And in 2018, the idea of this disappearing was terrifying to me. I made a mistake in 2018. 
I spark notes my story because I thought that the judgment mattered more than the fact that someone out there was thinking about doing the same thing and was really scared. Or somebody out there had been through this and thought their loose skin made them different or wrong or less accomplished than me because I must not have any. I made that mistake. And looking back, if I could have done it again as an educator, as a woman, as a coach, I would have been disgustingly vulnerable and open and I would not have been concerned if other people liked me or not because the right people like you. I have a chance to do it again. I have a chance to talk openly about it. I have a chance to be unapologetic about my decision because I know I'm making it for me and not for anyone else. And I just have a second shot to do it right this time. I talked about it the first time, but I gave this glossy version of it. I don't know if I was worried that the guys I was dating would feel weird about it or the people, people had never seen my loose skin until right before I got it removed. And it was terrifying to even show it, let alone to remove it. And then I had it removed and it was the best thing I ever did. And I didn't get to talk about it that much. I didn't get to share it and people had a lot of questions. Now that I'm doing it, I'm in a totally different place when it comes to my self-worth where if you don't like it, get the fuck out. I don't care. I don't care if I have followers. I don't, I am in a totally different place with myself because it'll be fine. Everything will be fine. I will pick up and keep moving no matter what. And if my video or pulling at my skin or whatever it is, help somebody feel like either they're not alone by having loose skin or they're not alone by considering to remove it, then I'm doing something right. I think, I used to think this platform was about inspiring people from weight loss. And now I know that this platform is just in, about inspiring people to be open and authentic and follow their own journey and do their own shit and not care. So if somebody wants to lose a bunch of weight and what they're scared of is that they'll have loose skin, I want to show them this is the worst, this is what you're dealing with. And if somebody's thinking about having loose skin removed and is scared that their family or friends won't accept them, I'm telling them this is what you're dealing with. And it'll all be fine. It'll all work out. You just pick up and move on. There you go. Now, if someone's listening right now and they're struggling, and it's never just about weight loss, as, as you touched on, and you know, we both know that, and I think a lot of people now are finally realizing that, who's struggling either with their weight or self-worth, what advice would you give them? Where can they start right now? What can they do? So don't try to do everything. Don't try to do it perfect. Don't try to micromanage and figure out if you need to do this fad diet or that fad diet or these supplements or those, just look at what you're doing and get started. Make something better and then start over tomorrow. So if today was really, really, really good, it doesn't matter. You still have to do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And if today was absolute shit, it doesn't matter. You still have to do it tomorrow. The biggest thing I've learned over time is that we have a finite amount of energy and we use either put it towards destroying ourselves or building ourselves. So every day when you wake up, you have a choice to either hate yourself 
thin or love yourself thin. Just start. It's not as complicated as everybody says. It's not as scary as everybody says. You just wake up the next day. You just walk a little more. You just move a little more. You just make a couple better choices. And then you wake up the next day and you try it again. 2% better every day. Amazing. Love that. Grab your own sword. Don't wait for somebody else to slay that fucking dragon. Pick that thing up, swing it, and chop that head off. Exactly. You like that? Yeah. And if you can't slay your own dragon yet, just pick up the sword. (laughs) That works. Learn to pick it up first, and then you'll swing it eventually. Laura, where can people find you? I am on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, all of those things at the Iron Giantess. Or you can go to irongiantess.com if you want to work with me specifically. Try to get to you guys as fast as I can. But um, yeah, just find me somewhere. Iron Giantess. Amazing. Amazing. Love that. Well, thanks for coming on. And remember, write your own story. I'm Joey Thermos. This is the Fatter Future Podcast. Remember, don't be a fatty, F-A-D-D-Y. Yeah, everybody laughs when I say that. Be a part of the future. Cheers. Wow. Whose mirror are you looking into? Are you looking into everyone's else, their reflection that they're showing you? Or are you looking to your own mirror? Thanks, Laura, for that conversation and so many great pieces of advice and just being so open and honest. Make sure to follow Laura at the Iron Giantess everywhere. Follow me at Joey Thurman Fit everywhere. Social media platforms are. Yes, I have a TikTok. I'm trying to use that a little bit more. And clips are also on my YouTube channel. Just type in Joey Thurman on YouTube. Next week, I promise we have another amazing podcast. And as always, please subscribe, review, share the podcast with your friends. I would truly appreciate it. So I can keep bringing amazing podcasts if I ask myself how amazing they are. But more importantly, these amazing guests that are willing to be so open and honest about their feelings, their past, their future, and all of their expertise. I truly appreciate every single guest that comes on here. And remember, don't be a fatty. F-A-D-D-Y. Be a part of the future. Cheers.